Hello, Chris. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. How you doing, Bobby? It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm very excited. I know you're a smart guy with a very broad resume, so I'm excited to share you with the listeners. And one of your big topics being money aligns well with everyone that's listening, probably. So why don't you get us started by introducing yourself? Where are you from? And what are some of the hats that you wear? Oh, all the hats. So my name is Chris Orlando. I'm a registered nurse, believe it or not, who's here talking about money. But my journey is kind of, uh, kind of a, an interesting story because you know, I originally was going to go to school to be a physician, didn't quite make it into med school, but always had an interest in finance you know, and, and sort of you know, personal finance and entrepreneurship. Owned a business. That business went belly up. Incidentally, don't ever do work with your family. This, this time it was my ex-brother-in-law who I was in business with, but that led me to a bankruptcy. So once we got that discharge, then it was like, what do we do? Because I struggled for so long, you know, with creditors calling and, and you know, doors getting knocked on and stuff coming in the mail. And it was just like a house of cards that had collapsed and it was time to figure out how to get back on track. So, you know, starting another business and really repairing finances and struggling through having that, that blemish on the credit record is, is why we're here today, because it's sort of rags to sort of riches to rags again, and then, you know, back to wealth. So the goal is that I'm always trying to elevate the people around me and just get people to thrive. Wow. I appreciate you being so candid about it. And you're hundred percent right. There are, I've gone bankrupt before and it was from, it was coming out of a business, my ex-husband, but it was more because I was gambling away all the money. The truck broke down and the things happened, but really there would have been money if I wasn't gambling. So we chucked it up to learning. In hindsight, I wish I knew so many of the things that I know today. I don't feel qualified to necessarily share what to do. I will talk about sometimes things like what's the difference between bankruptcy and then using those people who consolidate all your credit cards and, and that kind of stuff. So let's pick one of my, what I'll call, you know, an ideal person who needs you. Let's talk about that. Let's say that someone's been gambling and they want to quit, but they're sitting there with, say, six-figure debt. And, and let's say they're making, I don't know, what's the average income, 40, 50 grand a year? Yeah. And they're facing six-figure debt. They're behind in their mortgage. Things are happening. What kind of direction, like if someone asked me that, what kind of direction should I be giving them? What suggestions would you put out there for them? I mean, you just tapped into the very the, the very start of it right there when you said, hey, is it a bankruptcy versus a debt consolidation? Do you go back and try to work with your creditors? I mean, that's the situation I found myself in. I mean, the exact same situation. So regardless of how you got there, you know, whatever the circumstances are, if you find yourself in that position, it becomes the what can you do and what are you willing to do? You know, for me, for my wife, actually, at the time, her push was, hey, let's just look at bankruptcy. And my push being proud and probably because I'm a male, I was like, no, no, we'll get through this. I'll, you know, I will toil through and we'll push through this. And had I known what I know now, like the needless pain of trying to struggle that way, because you did it for a long time. You bit we balanced, we juggled, and then the house of cards starts to fall. And then you're like, no, I'll fix this. And it continues to crumble and deteriorate. And in the end, like once we decided to go the bankruptcy route, like it, it actually felt like a weight lifted off the shoulders because you knew that you had a direction at that point. It wasn't turmoil. 
So, I mean, honestly, the, the first step there is figuring out what's the direction that you need to take. You know, you talk to a debt consolidator, again, you know, financial advice, like everybody else, they're going to consult with a qualified professional before you make a move. And sometimes those qualified professionals are the person who runs a debt consolidation that tells you that, hey, it's a 15-year plan. Or you go talk to a bankruptcy attorney that says, hey, we can get this cleared in, you know, 12 months and get you back to, you know, a seemingly reasonable amount of life with that blemish on your credit. It's a decision you have to weigh and it's a decision you have to factor. And especially gambling debt, depending on how you accumulated it, how you treated it, it may or may not even be dischargeable in bankruptcy. So that's a, that's a question for an attorney up front because there are certain ways you, you can accumulate it and certain rules that get drive back to the intent of you ever wanting to intending to repay it, they can factor in there. So that's a sort of a critical thing that may close that avenue off to you uh, up front if that's how, if, if it was accumulated in a certain way. I have like 10,000 questions off of what you just said, but it's all good. It's all good. Cause you're triggering things that I've never really gotten into great detail on. And I think it would help people. Am I right in thinking that one example of non-dischargeable, cause this is one of the ways Again, I was using the truck as a way to fund gambling. I, I can kind of hide. I don't know if it's like, what do they call it? When the bad guys put money through legitimate businesses. Like laundering it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I was laundering my gambling or what, but one of the things I did was, and I didn't know I could do this, but I went to, to college as an adult learner. And one of my friends is like, oh, you can get loans. So if my tuition was say 3000, I would take out the loan for 6000. So I would have more money for my bills because I was doing the laundering thing. But am I right in thinking, for example, school debt is one of those things that you couldn't write off in a bankruptcy? Well, and currently right now, yeah, school debt is the one thing. It is the one thing that sticks around. Like, I mean, you can accumulate consumer debt all day long, credit cards and car loans and all that stuff. That gets handled differently. But student loans, different ballgame. That, that one is currently a no-no and who knows what will happen under, you know, changing IRS guidelines and, and bankruptcy laws. But as of right now, that one doesn't go anywhere. But the types of, you know, the types of accumulation, like if you bought on a credit card, if you got advances in a casino and you say didn't have a job or you were unemployed at that time or you were behind on your credit card payments and still taking money out, those creditors can say, hey, wait a second, you know, he didn't intend or she didn't intend to pay that back. So it was almost, they'll, they'll get it under fraudulent pretenses. So there's definitely some things that you need to pay attention to. And again, I'm not, I'm not a qualified bankruptcy attorney, but a good bankruptcy attorney will clarify those points and ask, you know, where was, where, where did this debt come from? And if it came from, from gambling debt, and it's clearly, you know, if it's going back to the casino every time, because you're taking ATM withdrawals out, there's definitely, there's definitely regulations and rules around what you can and can't discharge through bankruptcy. So it's, wow. it's definitely going to always going to get an attorney. Best I advice have no know. idea. No idea. I'll tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to my audience in a recovery way for a second here, because I have really strong feelings. And this is just my opinion in, in the gamblers anonymous in the 12 step world, we're taught basically to not take bailouts or bankruptcy that it impacts our recovery. So there's a mental and emotional kind of piece. And I've been, I guess maybe because I was involved with a guy who did go bankrupt and I thought that it was like the easy way out. So there was some, because here I was fighting back, you know, like working towards all my debt, chipping away at it. And I just felt like it was, it was a get out of free card. And, and, and I just want to call it out to my people because 
our recoveries definitely progressed differently, right? Like he didn't have to face the facts necessarily because everything was all set, whether it was the bankruptcy or his parents or, you know, like the situations were very different. And I'm not saying it from a place of judgment because we're addicts and we don't freaking know. And if we were thinking logically, we probably wouldn't be addicts in the first place. And what reminded me of this is when you're talking about this scenario where someone is going to the casino and taking the money off the credit cards when they don't have a job, it makes me wonder, just me talking, I guess, one of the things that bothers me is that the laws and the rules don't ne- aren't necessarily caught up. Like, I still don't know how I feel about calling gambling a disease. I still struggle with that. And again, this is my hardcore, like, black and white. I, You know, it's in the in the books and it's identified that way, but I still struggle because I compare it to like a cancer or something like, I don't know if I'm making any sense. I still struggle. I respect everybody's opinions around it and it could be a disease, but I still just feel like we can control things. That's not absolutely accurate, but it's just a, it's just a feeling. So I'm, I'm expressing that in the sense of if it is a disease or a mental illness, it's definitely a mental illness at, at, at any rate, the person doing that, going to the ATM, you said it's fraudulent or what well, if, for instance, so so like I said, if it, the, the creditors, when they go before the judge or they present, you know, to the judge through through the documents, they can say, hey, there's a there's a pattern here that, you know, she wasn't she wasn't employed. She continued to rack up debt. There was no intent to pay this. So it was, it was, you know, you didn't, you weren't going to follow through on your promise when you signed up for that credit card or that loan to pay that. And the bankruptcy court will evaluate that. Having gone through bankruptcy and answered all those questions, they get very specific. They want to know, you know, they want to know everything. And so it, it does come out. And if the creditor sees that pattern that, you know, hey, you weren't making your payments already, you, you know, you weren't employed or what other circumstances were involved that look questionable as to why you would continue to keep spending, then they can bring that up and the judge can say, hey, you know what, we're going to leave that out or, you know, we're not going to let you proceed. So, you know, it, it is one of those things, you know, it, you know, if you were buying groceries with it, that's one thing. But if I was going out and buying brand new cars and I couldn't pay for it, it's really no different. It's they're looking, you know, hey, were you honest with your debt? You know, was this honestly accumulated or were you doing something you knew you shouldn't probably been doing, but you did it anyways? Sort of that, that, that that's sort of the mentality they can view. And I I can see that, but I think where I'm struggling, and I'm sorry to take us down this road, when a gambler is taking out the money in that way, they're not thinking about paying it back. They're thinking they're going to win or they're chasing or they're numbing or they're doing all the things. So it's not a malicious, I'm not going to pay this back. So I think it's very curious. That's why I'm saying not like the legal system and the medical aren't aligned on, on things like gambling being a disease or... Yeah, and I think the legal side of it's the important one because that's the one that ultimately rules on it. So when they look at that and they go, "Yeah, maybe you know, you maybe you did have an intent to pay it back, but if the pattern was set up that they could already that someone objectively looking inward can see that you probably weren't going ever going to cover that." I mean, you got to remember that's a third party entity that's the, the judge is just simply there to look at the facts and say, "Yep, that's that's credible." You know, it's credible that she was going to pay that back or he was going to pay that back or the circumstances, really, you weren't employed, but you were still racking up charges. So that's how they view it. You know, what was your intent? Not that you didn't intend to win because we all intend to win, right? You know, we all intended to win, but did we intend to pay that money back given our circumstances if we, you know, if, if we didn't, basically? 
So it's, it's just the intent side of things. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I can picture people that I've come across. Their intent is they're going to be professional gamblers and that might be how they make their income. You know, like there's a whole other side to it, which I can respect not being necessarily black and white. And to your fact, to your point that the legal system has to just look at what like the paper trail and, and that kind of stuff. And maybe they treat it as a business. I mean, this this gets into that entrepreneurship side and how the laws are are, are working through business and entrepreneurship tied to income, tied to finance. I mean, it's a it's a complicated world that we live in. But I mean, people are I mean, people are writing off haircuts because they're they're a TV personality, right? So you know, what is the IRS? How the IRS views things is definitely not the way. That the average person, I think, views things. So there are certainly those loopholes and those rules built in that, that guide. But you know, like all of that, it's definitely one where you know you, you consult the professional who is the bankruptcy attorney that can give you the best guidance on it because every situation is different. I mean, they're all unique. Can we talk for a minute? I want to go back to money mindset that we were talking about before we started. But I, w- if you can explain what I didn't know way back when, when I was looking at consolidation. And I feel like I did that too. I think I was pissed at my bankrupt because I had to pay it back. And I was like, well, what the hell's the point of my bankrupt? Because I had to pay things back. So there's the two different kinds of bankrupts. So I guess we should probably speak to that. But then I also want to talk about credit reporting for a minute. Because when you consolidate, I don't think people understand what that does to your credit and why it does when it comes to exceeding limits and that kind of stuff. So if we can speak to both of those things, what are the two bankruptcies and what does that look like? Or if I'm even asking the right question. Yeah, you're talking about you're talking about the different types of the different types of bankruptcy. And there's actually more than a couple. There's chapter seven, which is a a liquid is a a liquidation bankruptcy, which is a, a straight bankruptcy. The, the creditors have to stop everything. And if you're being sued, the lawsuit has to stop immediately, you know, mortgages and stuff like that. And that one is pretty much the blank slate. Whereas the chapter 13 bankruptcy is like the personal reorganization that you have to have income to cover your daily expenses and cover your debt and that type of thing. So it's, it's more of the personal reorganization, if you will. And then when you go to a debt consolidator, the way I remember it, and it's fuzzy, they close all your accounts. They make deals with the credit cards or the people who you owe money to maybe negotiate. For example, if you owed 5000 maybe they negotiate down to 3500 but it's contingent on that account being closed so you can't rack it up anymore. Yes. What is the impact of them closing the account on credit? Can you speak to that? I've heard good things and I've heard bad things in regards to the debt consolidation because it's such a, it's a muddied market, if you will, that... I have a hard time trusting any of those groups because that that area has been tainted so much. I actually just started doing a little research into the consolidation market because they're, I don't want to say shysters, but they're they're basically shysters. I mean, let's just cut to the chase. I mean, there's there's so much, there's so much, and there's and there's great groups, don't get me wrong. But the impact to your to your credit can be just as detrimental as filing a bankruptcy. I mean, my my bankruptcy was discharged in 2009, and it still shows up. I still get dinked down on a few things, but my credit score has 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 gone through the roof. The consolidation piece; those those blemishes can last a while, and and I've never done them personally, but I do know people that have been through them, and they've still got those blemishes that linger 
because even though you're actively trying to pay them back, some of those accounts did not get closed. They got closed eventually in good faith, but you've already got the tick marks on your account. I mean, typically what I recommend for everybody, whether you've got good credit, bad credit, any credit, no credit, you need to pull your finance, you need to pull those credit reports on a routine basis. They are so flawed sometimes and you'll find so many mistakes that it, you know, no matter what you do, your credit's sort of the lifeline. You know, whether you go consolidation, whether you go bankruptcy, you're gonna have you're gonna have marks. You're gonna have, you know, so every person's situation is a little bit different. You know, there's no, hey, you should always go bankruptcy, you should always go to consolidation, you should always just try to negotiate with creditors yourself. There is no right, wrong, or indifferent. And you know, in my world, the thing that I always look at is is what action are you taking? You know, what is the one thing that you can do today? We'll talk about a multitude of things today, but that doesn't mean you have to write seven of them down and try to do seven of them tomorrow. It means pick one and go with it right? because that's the only way you get traction. That's the only way you get momentum. But the one that I typically point to people up front is credit score. And credit score impacts now way more than it ever did before because it's not just your house loan interest rates. It's not just your car loan or your ability to, to get those kind of credit and that kind of information. It's your credit cards. Can you get it? And what's your interest rate? Oh, and by the way, you've got employers now that are looking at a, a reduced credit report, not for your score, but to look at your payment history. Are you behind on your obligations? You know, if they see that you're not making your payments and that you're behind on, on your car loan and, and your credit cards, they're thinking, hey, you might not be a really organized person or you might just be just not an honest person. I mean, regardless of how they view that, there are more and more employers that are looking at that because if you've got bad credit and you're behind on your on your bills, it, it it's a reflection upon your character, if you will, right, wrong, or indifferent. But that's how it's being utilized in the in the in the marketplace. Yeah, um, so it really does come into play. Here in New York, at least last time I had to change car insurance your rates on car insurance were contingent on your credit score. And I'm like, how does my credit score have to do with how safe I drive? So you're right. It's, it's sneaking into a lot of things. Somebody, yeah, somebody has been doing some work because, you know, it, it really does. It's, it's going to, and it, I think it's going to continue to transition that way. More and more places are going to start looking at it as, Oh, you pay your debts on time. You're, you're a safer bet for us than the person who's not. But I'd love to see the research that I'm a safer driver because you know, your credit score is, 550 and mine 650 am i a better driver probably not but someone's got some research that that holds up somewhere <laughs> yeah it's, it's wild well thanks for getting a little in the weeds with me on that um there's just topics that i think i know about but i don't like to pretend like i'm the authority on and two what i would tell everybody is is annualcreditreport.com so it's www.annualcreditreport.com that's the official site to go to to get your free credit report and if you go there, you're entitled to pull that report. And even now, coming out of 2020 through April, I think, they're actually letting you pull weekly credit reports out of there for free, whereas before, I think it was only once or twice a year at the most, because it is such an important time. And so many people are struggling on the employment, you know, and whether it's employment or unemployment, that they're trying to make it more and more prevalent because there are still a lot of scammers out there. It's even kind of ramped up in certain areas where, you know, people are trying to take advantage of the situation when they know people are in, in dire straits. Right. Oh, thank you. That's good. All right. So let's circle back to before we press record, because I loved, I love this premise because all of this, how we view money 
we were talking about how it's not a fun topic. People don't want to talk about it. And we were talking a little about our backgrounds and our beliefs around money. I guess I'm not even sure what the exact question is to prompt people to think about money. So, so when you were talking, we were talking about saving versus, you know, maybe putting into investments or trying to earn more. There was that kind of logic. We talked about the thing that showed up for me when it came to money. And this was five, 10 years, well, 2013. I went to go buy a new car and I was unemployed. I had, I had gotten fired and I had had a company car. So I had to go get a car before anybody figured out I didn't have a job. So I went and I bought a $35,000 car and the payments were $600 a month. And, you know, when you get a new car, you go show all your friends, right? And one of my older responsible friends is like, what are you doing buying a $600 a month car when you don't have a job? And my logic was, if I'm going to live in a car, you know, like and have a car for five, 10 years, whatever a life of a car is, I want to love it. I want to feel amazing getting into that car. And if it meant spending 600 to feel amazing versus feeling like, eh, I got wheels for 400, that was a value perception for me. And I felt really good about spending that extra money. I don't do that with everything. My gambling money mentality was, and I was still gambling back then, Dunkin' Donuts raised their coffee by a nickel. How dare they? And I would lose my shit over a nickel a day because it was impacting my gambling money. So I have my own really warped views on money. Again, I guess from the context of helping the listeners, if someone was fearful of money or overwhelmed by money, do you have any advice like just as a starting point? I know we're not going to solve it all today, but what's something to get people on the track to have a better relationship about money? The way that I view it, money is just a tool. That's it. But it's a tool that's had such a stigma because it was, you know, your parents struggled with money or they didn't talk about money or it was taboo with your friends, you know, or it's keeping up with the Joneses. There's, I mean, there's so many mindsets around the dollar you know, whether it's American dollar or, you know, any of the other dollars around the world, but there's a mindset around it. And a lot of times it is that taboo, quiet, you know, your parents don't want to tell you how much they made, or they don't want to tell you how much the debt there is. People don't have open conversations about money. I mean, ask your neighbor how much they make one time and find out what that reaction is. I mean, no one wants to talk about it, but it's just a tool. That's it. And and I think the stigma comes around because because we don't talk about it. It's not taught in schools. You know, you spend more time on geography, algebra, and and learning a foreign language. But the thing that everybody wants you to do is mind your money, you know, spend wisely, you know, invest properly. The government wants you to do it. Your friends want you to do it. Your parents, your kids, everybody wants to do the same thing, but nobody teaches you. So when I say it's a tool, it would be like if I handed you a jackhammer, if I gave Bobby a jackhammer, I was like, go use this. And you'd never seen one before. You're like, Oh, what do I, what do I use it on? <laughs> you know, what's the, how do I turn it on? Does it plug in? Does it go, do I put gas in it? I mean, you have no idea of those things. So the only way you learn, like you've learned everything else in your life is just to be exposed to it because you don't know what's out there. You know, if you don't know what a Roth IRA is, you can Google it. You know, you can, we live in, we live in an age where that supercomputer in your hand that's there with you every day is chock full of knowledge. You just have to know that it, that it does exist and you can go out there and find it. 
So all it is is a tool and just understanding how the tool even remotely works, you start to get smarter. And when you start to get smarter, you start to get more comfortable because that's that's really what it is. It's just a tool that gets used like any other tool, like a garden shovel or the hammer that you have in your hand. But if you don't know how to use it, it's super intimidating. I mean, it's real simple in the end, but it's so hard. It seems so overly complex up front because there's so much financial advice. You know, even like Tony Robbins, his book, that's what, 650 pages, 700 pages. There's professional people who deal in finance don't want to read that many pages. Mm. And there's constantly financial advice. I mean, hell, TikTok. You can go on TikTok. There's a billion financial advisors on TikTok that have no business teaching anybody anything about money, but they're still there and people pick up bad habits. So, you know, if you want to learn, go to a reputable source and, and take a look, you know, and just investigate because the information is there. Well, you you hit a sticking point. This is something me and my mother have, my mother learned the hard way, the IRA Roth or she didn't know it existed. So now she's getting close to retirement and she's like, geez, I wish I knew about that to do it. I only learned about it at my last, well, two jobs ago. So within the last decade, I didn't know the difference. I didn't know what they were, but there has to be, if your employer's not teaching you, there has to be a starting point. So you called out books and I know you're writing a book and we'll blow that up as soon as it's ready. We'll get that. That'll be the one I promote and tell everybody to listen to or, or to read. Like, you're right. You use the example. You can Google it. But if you don't even know that an IRA Roth is something you should be Googling, is it books? Is it is it just, you know, money finance? Like, is there any books you would recommend, I guess, maybe? There's 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 a couple of different books. So Ramit Sethi wrote, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. That's one. Tony Robbins has a couple of books, you know, and that are that are dummy down. Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki is another one. The book that Chris Orlando is going to publish here soon is going to be even a simpler version. I mean, th- there are some great resources out there that just cover the basics because I mean, nothing happens overnight, right? You didn't learn a foreign language overnight. You know, you didn't learn how to drive overnight. None of those things were a snap of a finger. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. So it's, again, prioritizing and picking those battles and taking the action. You know, so when people come to me, like you were saying, six figures in debt, and they're trying to figure out where, you know, how do I get started? The first place I tell them, go to your credit report. And they're like, that doesn't help me get to, you know, making more money or, you know, but it's the first foundational piece and it gives you some momentum. It's something you can do today. You can log in, pull your credit report, and you can start to take the, that first concrete step. And that's really what your financial journey is going to be. You're never going to stop learning about money. I mean, there's stuff all the time. My financial planner came to me, you know, a couple of years ago and came up with a program for, for my business. And I'm like, is that even legal? I mean, <laughs> I'd never heard of it. And, and to this day, when I pitch it to other other business owners, they've never heard of it either. And yet it's IRS tax code. You know, it's it's gone through. Actually, I was audited, which they warned me, you're going to get audited with this right out of the gate. But it's perfectly legal, perfectly tax code. It's just that you see typically bigger organizations doing it than, than our small business. So you never stop learning. I mean, that's inevitable. But getting started somewhere, doing something with it, Get you, you know, get you that forward momentum and get you progressing in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think one point to call out, and this is maybe my entrepreneurialness jumping out as you listed those books. Like Tony's a billionaire, so if if they are going to proceed with looking at books, they need to make sure that the people that are writing about money have money. I think that that's just an important call out. So they don't go down the wrong road. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true, and, and it depends on what your level is. You know, I mean. 
if you want to start with a base book, the, the book that I'm putting together is really a focus on the bare bones basics. It starts out, you know, my, my philosophy is sort of that 80-20 principle that you've heard about, like Pareto's principle, which, you know, there's books out there about saving money galore, you know, how to not penny pinch. There's whole websites about frugality and coupon clipping and everything else. But at the same time, that's a limited, you're only going to reduce your car insurance so much. You're only going to cut your utility bills so much. You can only save so much on food, but you can have unlimited growth by making more money. You can have more, more unlimited growth by having passive income or investing in real estate or you know doing affiliate marketing. The, the, the hundreds of thousands of different things that you can do to earn income, that's where the real growth is. Spend a little time on reducing your debt and more time improving um, your income, whether it's taking a different job or asking for a raise or doing any of those side hustles. I agree with that. I love the example that you gave me when we were chatting about if you own a surfboard in California, you can make money. And it's, it, it is so obvious. The other thing that I'm learning through all this digital learning and online learning is we all have a superpower, at least one. We're all good at something. So there's opportunity there. Like, what is your skill? I had a friend that left a job, a nice, secure job. And she wanted to just babysit dogs. And now she's making more money. She's home. She's surrounded by awesome animals. And it's a thriving business. I mean, before COVID, COVID kind of changed things because more people were home. And I shouldn't be promoting taking risk like that to my gambling community. But investing in yourself and knowing your skills is the opportunity, I think, for growing and finding new income sources, as well as tangible things like the surfboard. And I think coming back to it too, you know, even, and I still struggle every once in a while because there is so much information and, and it can be difficult to sort through, you know, the, the tangible versus the other and just the distraction component to it. So like I said, going back to, going back to the piece that I'm writing right now, the book that I'm putting together, the idea is to create the roadmap because too often financial advice is, it's just spots, do this, do that, check this, do this. But there isn't a defined roadmap that takes you from point A to point B to point C that gives you a structure to follow. Because like anything else, whether you're working out or you're trying to eat healthier or you're, you know, you're, you're trying to come up with some improvement project, if you don't take the steps in the right order or in a good order, it gets confusing, you get muddled up, or you fall off the bandwagon because you're just not seeing, you're just not seeing results. That was one of the things, especially in this in the world today where everything's a distraction, everything's buzzes bings, notifies you, you know, pulls you in in some other way. The idea was to build a very simple platform to take you on that journey that even though your story may be a little bit different, there are certain foundational things that you can fix. Once you fix the foundational stuff, then you can make the bigger jumps. You know, you take the little baby steps first and then pretty soon you're able to take leaps. And it, it just, it makes that comfort level, that confidence to, to, to go into those next steps of the journey as you move forward. I love that. I know I'm my money work. I've done a lot of money work in the last year and it's all a lot of it's been mindset because right now, even though I cleaned up, I started cleaning up my gambling debt with my day job. It was probably three quarters done. And if I stayed, it would be all gone. But instead I've chosen to go on this adventure and now I'm in worse debt than whenever I was gambling. But I have faith that I'll come out of it and that I'll make it. And you and I've never talked about this, but I'm going to show you something I learned this in one of my trainings and you can tell me how you feel about this, but I do, I do meditations. 
I have now somebody told me about the secret app. So a little bit about the manifestation part of it. And I don't know if you'll speak to this or not, but one of the things, one of the coaches, she's a money coach. She said to put money around your house to remind you and make you feel like you have it all the time. So I know I'm going down a little different path, but I'm going to show you, especially because you know, my 10 X boyfriend. So look, I have hundred dollar bills, but my little sloth there. I love it. Wearing his mask, he's got his 10x hat on, and there's money. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen that as a as a strategy. I have to get a sloth from my corner over here. But, <laughs> but I have it. I have I have money hanging off my temp, my thermometer, taped to my bathroom mirror. As soon as I walk in the door, do you have any feelings about the woo woo part of wishing money? So I do because it won't. Like I watched. I read the secret when the secret was first published. And I was like, yes, the manifestation part, the older that I get and probably the wiser, the more I look at it and go, there's something to that because it's in the forefront of your mind. Like, I think that's where the manifestation comes in. And I've read some really good articles like Steve Jobs with Apple and some of the greats that have been, uh, you know, uh, Microsoft, you know, some of the some of these guys who are super talented where the stroke of luck happened. The stroke of luck didn't happen. They just happened to be doing the things that put them in the place that they could make those connections. So the fact that you have the rich sloth bear <laughs> behind you, I don't think is going to attract the money to you. Like, like you can't close your eyes and pull hundreds in. But I think what happens is, is that by having that there, it puts it in the forefront of your mind so that when you see that, you keep doing the things around you that grow your business, that it, it stimulates you in that way. And, and that's the way I look at it. I mean, you, you put yourself in that place because you're trying to do that. You manifest that thing that you've put by you. You know, it's no different than a vision board. You've got your Hawaiian trip or you've got your race car up there. You know, you've got the it's hanging up over there. So my plan is to, I want to be out of this apartment by summer and downsize and move into an RV to live in for the next forever, because I want to travel around the country to build my properties that I plan on having. And I can be on the construction sites and not have to worry about flights and hotels. So it's a little frugal, but it's also comfortable. So let me tell you as a side story, we haven't talked about this at all, but one of these times when I pull my RV out of storage, I'll give you the grand tour of that and I'll show you how you can buy your RV and have it pay for itself if you're not living in 100% of the time because we've rented ours for a few years now. And it's actually really good money. I mean, again, for somebody that's, for any of your listeners who own an RV and it sits in the driveway or sits in storage, man, there is a money-making revenue generator. It, it did better than our rental properties. Yeah, there's, there, it's, there's, that's a whole, that's a whole ebook that I'm putting together because that's a, that's a whole nother avenue. But, you know, that manifestation of that, that, that vision board that you have is no different. If you don't, I mean, we just passed the new year and people would come up with resolutions and I used to do it too. You'd write your resolutions down, right? Somewhere. If you wrote them down, maybe, or you just, December 31st, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this year. Like you didn't think it through. You just kind of threw it out there and you never hit those goals. Right. It has to be in front of you. And that's the daily reminder of, hey, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm getting. This is what I'm you know, going to hammer away to, to push forth. So, you know, when you do that, I think it puts you in the space. You know, what's the what's your what's your sloth called? What's the sloth's name? I didn't actually name him. 
Maybe he could be Grant <laughs> Jr. since Grant's my new boyfriend. I was thinking I was thinking Stewie the sloth for some reason. I don't know where that came from, but Stu. I'll let you name him, Chris. Stu in the background, you know? But you know, like I said, the, the dollars and cents sitting there, like when I see that, what I'm thinking for you, Bobby, is is take that money and put that somewhere where it grows, not around Stu's neck. That's what I think. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. I see growth. I see growth. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, well, I'm glad you shared your perspective on it. And I think that makes sense. You know, if you're paying attention to it and keeping your eye on the ball, it is good reminders. So yeah, I'm, thinking right, I'm thinking those bills right now would be good in silver. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't know enough about that stuff. And I had a friend reach out to me too. She's making money in this crypto stuff and I'd have to buy a program. And then it looks like a network marketing thing. And I'm like, it, it probably it probably could be very lucrative. And I was just like, I was telling you, I have to stay on my my three thing train because I won't get anything done if I keep getting distracted. And and we talked about the exact same thing too. And and again, if you're listening to this, the exact same thing applies in your life. And it doesn't. And we're not talking. It's broader than finance, right? You know, it, it's whatever you try to. If you can't become a world class bowler if you don't focus on bowling, right? I mean, that's just that's just the state of it. You don't become a you don't become a first rate carpenter that everybody wants to use if you only pick up your saw you know once a month. It's just how it works, and and money's no different, teaching's no different, entrepreneurship's no different. It's the ability to focus, and this is coming from a guy who's got ADHD. So I mean, if anybody shouldn't be teaching you about focus, it's definitely me. But I will tell you that the things that I focus on, you know, turn to gold. It's when the, the distraction is there and I get pulled in a million different directions that that things don't go so well. And and so, you know, in the same sense, like I said, crypto right now, it's do I invest in crypto? Is it am I putting money in the silver? You know, should I be on Robinhood app? Like all these things come in. It's it's very narrow focus. Pick a very small sliver and take those little baby steps up front. You don't need to buy a program. You don't need to invest. God, the, the number of things out there that people want you to buy now, the the subscription to this, the subscription to that is crazy. You know, go to a reputable source, read a reputable book, go to Forbes, Forbes.com has some great articles, just get good quality information and really, truly don't inundate yourself with it. Cause like I said, you can, you can drown yourself in it all day long. It's just getting a little bit of knowledge and then taking the action to, to accompany it and then moving to the next piece. There's a quote that my people will hear before this, I think. And you just reminded me of it. So this Herman Sue guy says, it's better to walk alone than with the crowd going in the wrong direction. Yes. So the crowd is all the shiny objects and getting too much information and you're trying to go all over the crowded space of information. So if you find one focus as far as information, that's what just triggered. Sorry. I, I I guess I have ADHD too a little. I use that phrase that I said earlier about, you know, you can do everything. You can do, I'm sorry, you can do anything. You just can't do everything. I mean, literally, you can do anything. I'm a firm believer when you talk about the secret and things like that, of that nature. I'm a firm believer. You can literally do anything. Like somebody says, oh, I can never own a company. Like I can't or I couldn't comes into a lot of people's vocabulary. But really, what is stopping you? I mean, there are kids right now, there are kids that literally start their own business at age 13 or 14 that have very lucrative careers. There's there's a girl, I think she was 13 or 14, created a bath bomb company. I didn't even know what a bath bomb was, but she <laughs> tapped into a market 
and and sold it. There's been plenty of kids on threat on, on on Shark Tank that have sold companies. So the the constraint that we self impose on ourselves, you know, gets pretty big. So when you talk about mindset, if you don't think you can do something, you're not doing it. I mean, that's been a proven fact. If you don't think you can run a marathon, you're not going to finish a marathon. At some point in time, you have to believe that you have the capability to do it, you know, and 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 have that faith in yourself. And it may not come overnight, but you build up to it. And so, you know, going back to that knowledge piece in, in conjunction with that, I always say that you can do it. And that can comes from the fact that you need a little bit of knowledge, just a little bit of knowledge. You need to aim that knowledge somewhere. You need to take the action to go with it. And then that gets you to never ending success. Love that end. Love that end. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not good in a boat. I'm definitely not a sailor, but you know, you can, you can know how to start up a boat. You know how to, you can put the, the key in the engine. You may know where you're going with it. And then you push the throttle forward and you go, and that gets you to your destination. That's great. Yeah. You're very good at those analogies like you have a good example for so much of what you explain it makes it so much easier to digest and that's the thing like for me i spent a lot of, i spent a lot of time here like knowing right? i spent years just going no like digesting and reading and learning but the problem with knowing is you don't get anywhere you can be the foremost expert on i had a, a college professor who was a corn geneticist corn as in the plant that you eat on the cob. He was a corn geneticist. The guy was brilliant. He was literally the, one of the world's foremost corn geneticists. He, there was, he went into his office, he had pictures of presidents, foreign countries and diplomats. He helped like, you know, he would go to Africa and show them how to farm corn better, like all this crazy stuff. But the guy literally could not tie his shoes. But he was, he had so much knowledge and he actually did something with it. But you can have all that knowledge and never go anywhere. You could be sitting at the dock, know how to start it up, know how to take the engine apart, know how to you know drive a boat. But if you never put the damn thing in gear, you're not going in. So you only need a little bit of knowledge to get moving. But aiming that knowledge and getting that action in place gets you to the island. It gets you to your dream. It gets you to your destiny. Love it. So going back to your mindset piece, like it is that faith that you can take that action. And let's be frank. No one's ever gone in a straight line like this. Your success line is going to be all crooked. I never thought I'd be bankrupt. You probably never did either. Right. It's just a set of you know shitty circumstances that you go through, and you're like, ah, I'm so much smarter now. And yeah. then you do the next thing. And that's the piece. Life is just a big old experiment. It's one big experiment. Sometimes the experiment goes right. Sometimes the experiment doesn't go so right. But the bottom line is, is you keep plugging away. Like if you're in a lab, you keep plugging away. And that's all it is. It's just an experiment that you get smarter at every day and, you know, more and more you can make those things go right. And then you get to that never ending success. Love it. Well, Chris, I appreciate all your wisdom. I've hit on all my major points. Is there anything else that you want to cover before we part ways? No, this has been awesome. I mean, we'll have to do this date again sometime and we can get into some of the specifics. I mean, what I'm really pushing on right now is the, is the side hustles, the passive income, and, and what I'm pushing to do is, is I'm actually doing some of the things, you know, there's a lot of lists you can find about people recommending to, you know, start an Amazon business, 
go out and rent your surfboard, you know, rent your bike, but I'm actually trying them. So I'm going to actually be posting some videos of some things. Like I just went and picked up some books at the dollar store and just got my Amazon seller certificate, you know, my Amazon seller site set up. So I'm tinkering and playing with some things because, you know, we got to find out if it works. I don't want to give anybody advice and to try something that, that I know doesn't. But, you know, my background, you know, I have a biology degree before I got my nursing degree and I love to tinker. So I figured what better way to tinker? You know, I've rented my RV. I've owned property. You know, I'm going to start an Amazon business. I've sold on eBay for probably about 20 years now, I think. Wow. So, you know, it's going to be some fun experiments some things to watch. Awesome. Yeah. We're going to have to compare notes on that. I got my Amazon thing set up to this last couple of weeks and I've been trying to experiment as well. So... We do have a lot in common. We I know. really, really do. <laughs> I love chatting with you. It makes me so happy every time. I learn something and I know that you get me. Like I have a lot in common with a lot of the other people in our world, but there's just something about every time I talk to you, it's like, do, 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 do. And I relate to everything you say. So thank you for being in my universe now. I appreciate you. I love it. And, you know, hey, it was regardless of whether you read The Secret or not, it was destiny that we were going to bump into each other. That was for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, don't leave. I'm going to press stop. I forgot to tell you that before we recorded and it's okay. My people know that I'm not perfect and I admit my mistake. Don't leave. I'm going to press stop. I forgot to tell you that before we recorded and it's okay. My people know that I'm not perfect and I admit my mistake. We'll put whatever you say in the show link in the show notes if you have links or however you want to proceed. But is there a place you want to call out? Right now, we're working on a site, but the best place to go would be to go to uh, Facebook and find uh, Thrive Lab. And that group, it's T-H-R-I-V-E with a capital L-A-B. And the reason for that is because the lab portion stands for Limitless, Alive, and Bold. And the focus there is, is all about not just financially, but physically and mentally always making improvements, continuous improvement in those areas, because those are three things that everybody struggles with sooner or later, you know, to some capacity. And that's beautiful how you tie that in. That's exactly why you're here and delivering the message to the audience you are. They, they need to know that it's more than just one element of life. So thank you again, Chris. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Bobby. We'll definitely be doing this again.